Come now 
Resurrection power When we raise a mighty 
and it's so, so good to be in the presence of God. Well, friends, can anybody use some good news this morning? It's, in fact, it's the greatest news of all the greatest news of all eternity. It's this, it's that Jesus Christ is alive. <laughs> because Jesus is alive, he reigns supreme. In fact, he purchased a way for you and me to enter the very presence of God Almighty. Whether you're in this room or you're online, I want you to know that Jesus rose from the dead so that you can experience him right here, right now. That is so, so good. I love, I love the smiles on your faces, the spirit in this room. Hey, why don't you greet each other? Say hello, say hello to the people around you and grab a seat. Well, happy Easter, everybody. My name is Glenn Griner. I am one of the pastors here at Union Chapel. We are so glad that you've decided to join us. In fact, uh, we checked you in when you came in the door, but hey, if you're online, if you're part of our online family, we would love for you to download the Union Chapel app or jump on the link in the description there. That way you can check in with us and, and that way we can kind of know that you're here. It's a, in fact, the app is the best way for any of us to keep in touch with everything that's happening around here. It's an easy way to give. And also you can take notes there, follow along in the middle of the message as well. Here's what we've learned. I want you to think about what was going on a year ago. This room was empty. 
And here's what happened. Here's what we've learned. We've learned that Jesus is bigger than COVID. And we've also learned that your faith is bigger than the challenges that you faced. Because in the midst of this crazy pandemic, here's what you've allowed us to do. Your partnership with us, we've, you've allowed us to plant more churches. In fact, we're also, we're dreaming about planting churches in prisons. Isn't that amazing? That's wonderful. Yeah, yes, yes. And on top of that, this year, we are going to open up a recovery house for men as they deal with addictions right here in Delaware County. An awesome, awesome thing. All of that, all that brings glory and praise to the God of the universe. And you know, all those things, all the ways that we give as we come to this time of the offering, I want you to think about all the good that God has done for you. Think about how he died on the cross for you, how he rose from the dead for you so that you can experience him. And the offering, it's way more than money. You see, God, he's after everything. He actually wants all of us. So as we pray, would you just join me as we offer ourselves to God afresh and anew? Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Jesus, thank you so much that you took my shame. Not just my shame, but every single person in the sound of my voice. And not only that, every single person in all of existence. You went to the cross. You took our punishment. And thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead, victorious so that we can bring our questions, our failures and our doubts and our worries and cares and concerns and we can lay them down at your feet and you meet us where we are. And so Jesus, we choose, we choose to open up ourselves to you. We choose to consider you because we all need more of you in our lives. Lord, we love you, we praise you and we bless you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Happy Easter, friends. morning church great to see you happy easter to you i hope you're having a good day it's a beautiful day out there and a great day for celebration you know we're joining hundreds of millions of believers in jesus christ all over the world this weekend to celebrate the greatest event in the history of humanity which is the resurrection of jesus christ and of course as pastor glenn said it's good news for all of us because jesus christ is alive and he is well he is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is sovereign over all of our lives, and he is in control, and he can be trusted, and he is reliable, and he is a faithful God. And because he lives, we can live also, and of course, with an eternal hope. So trust that you're having a good day and ready to celebrate that. Today, I want to uh, simply share from one of the Gospels some insight that Jesus gave us, which will cause us, I think, to consider Consider Jesus carefully, and especially on this Resurrection Sunday, hope it's meaningful to you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John's Gospel, chapter 14. I'm going to read the first six verses there, John 14, 1 to 6. 
And if you have a red letter edition Bible, you'll notice that these letters are red. So this is Jesus speaking. And our custom is to stand to hear God's word. So thanks for doing that as you're able. Verse 1, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, may God inspire and encourage us through his word today. You may be seated. Thanks so much. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, of course, is central to the Christian faith and to the hope that his resurrection provides for us. And it lends itself to asking even serious and profound life questions, doesn't it? Like, who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? How can I have a good relationship with God? How can I have a right relationship with God? Very important question. In fact, if you ask that question in today's culture, you would get all kinds of different answers because we live in a very pluralistic culture. We highly value tolerance. We like the idea that no matter what you believe, that's okay, and, and all religions are pretty much the same, and, and it doesn't, doesn't matter where you lean, just so you're sincere, uh, that, that we can include and not exclude anyone. And so those are very common attitudes. And it's interesting uh, that in that context that people like to think about, even talk about spiritual things from time to time, but they don't think about dying very often. And unless confronted with death, we kind of go through life imagining that we're indestructible. And of course we're not. Uh, no one here is getting out alive. We're, we're all going to be dead one of these days, and that's a fact. And so when someone we know or love passes away, that's when we start thinking about uh, death, and, and we begin to employ you know, some good feelings, you know, try to create some hope in the midst of the difficult challenge of death. And so we hear people saying, well, thank, thankfully she's not suffering any longer, or he's gone on to a better place, or now he's an angel in heaven, or someone might say, now, Grandma's in a better place looking down on us. You know, let me just say that I don't know about you, but there are about two or three times every day that I don't want Grandma or anybody else looking down on me. You know what I'm saying? So, so I don't even know what that means, Grandma's looking down on me. So the question is, how is it? I'm sorry, I've just, that will distract you now for the rest of the... So how is it that we're made right with God? It's a great question, and it's no secret that I'm a follower of Jesus, and it shouldn't have been any secret to you that you've come into a Christian celebration today. So it's really interesting to me that in the world today, uh, people are free to talk about a higher power or a higher being or even use the word God or to say I'm a very spiritual person, and that's all acceptable. And it only becomes controversial, it seems, if you name the name of Jesus. Now, people get a little uptight. But that's interesting too. I wonder about that because hardly anyone denies the fact that Jesus Christ was a person who lived on the earth 
in first century Palestine, I mean, very few people in the world will say, I don't think Jesus even lived on the earth. Most, as I say, critically thinking persons, rational people will agree that he was alive. So he, it's not that his existence is a problem. And it's not that his teachings are a problem either. Because most people actually admire and, and appreciate the teachings of Jesus. You know, help the poor, love those that others overlook, and forgive people if they offend you, serve those in need. Uh, so they don't debate the teachings of Jesus, and they don't debate the existence of Jesus. So why is it, do you think, that when you drop the name Jesus, that people start to wig out, freak out? What is that about? I think it has something to do probably because of the exclusive claims of Jesus. That's where people get a little off-put. Now, we live in a very inclusive world. You know, tolerance is a virtue, and so we want to be open-minded and open-hearted about all kinds of ideas and, and ways. And so a guy comes along, as Jesus did, from our text today, John 14, 6. They ask him, we don't know the way. What's the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, now. Now we've got a guy making exclusive claims like that, and it, and it, and it concerns us. It challenges us. And so in this very inclusive and pluralistic society we live in, Jesus makes these exclusive claims. And people still want to say, you know, look, it doesn't matter what you believe. Just be sincere. All roads lead to God. All religions are the same. And let me just, let me just uh, make this observation that if you just take a, a broad overview of the major religions in the world, it doesn't take long to realize that all religions have truth in them. They all have beauty in them, you know, and I'm okay with that. All truth is God's truth, and there are components of different religions that have about them truth and, and wonder and beauty and that sort of thing, and that's okay, and that's all good. But to suggest that all religions are the same, that's just not being, that's not being honest. That's not taking a careful view. Let me just, uh, let me just give you a, a general overview of some of the major religions. And again, my apology for, for such a high overview of this. Obviously, this is total oversimplification. But just for the contrast, to make the point that all religions really aren't the same. Buddhists, for example, believe there is no God. No type of final existence. A Buddhist believes in countless rebirths. And eventually, you hope to end the cycle. Now, you contrast that with Hinduism, and a Hindu is going to believe in a god, an impersonal god, that's approached through deities or statues or idols. There's a whole pantheon of Hindu gods and idols, uh, literally by the thousands. And so you take these first two, Buddhism and Hinduism, and they offer no forgiveness of sins, no supernatural help, only a concept called karma. Karma is a concept, basically means if you uh, cut somebody off in traffic, you can expect somebody's going to cut, cut you off at some point. What goes around comes around. It's karma. You know, what, whatever you put out there comes back to you. And so you have repetition, you have reincarnation, you have the cycle. Now contrast that with Islam. A Muslim, for example, is going to worship a personal God named Allah. And a Muslim has no secondary goals or no secondary gods and there is a total ban on idols, total ban in Islam. So your standing with God is based on your religious good works and your effort. 
and a score is kept of those two sides. You contrast that further with with what we could call New Age religions. There's different varieties of the New Age religions in the world, but in this worldview, there's no type of God, and your goal is to be one with the cosmos, one with the universe. So if you hear someone in one of the New Age variations praying, they may say, oh, universe, please help me. And and so it's very impersonal. Now contrast that with someone who's a follower of Jesus, who believes in a personal God, who loves his people so much that he became like them in the person of Jesus, lived without sin, died for the sins of the world on a cross, on the third day rose again from the dead, and people then are made right with God, not by going through deities or idols or religious performance or cycling back around, but by putting their faith in God's son named Jesus. Now, as I say, there's some truth and beauty in all world religions, but they are not the same. They are fundamentally different and distinct. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. I'm not asking you to consider this church. I'm not asking you to consider a denomination. I'm not asking you to consider Christians who are around us, because some of us can be really odd. Please don't point to anybody close by. <laughs> but some of us are, you know, a little weird. And, and I'm not asking you to consider me because inevitably and unfortunately, I will disappoint you and fail you as well. All I'm going to ask you to do today is consider Jesus, his claims, what he taught, and what he actually did. Consider Jesus. Now, if you have the outline on your phone, if you're looking at it right now, I hope you are. Here's the first point. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Just consider this for a moment. If you look at the screen at Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors. So these are religious folks, Pharisees. They noticed Jesus hanging out, eating with, sitting beside sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Good question. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, this is, this is pretty fascinating, isn't it? The one whom others despised, Jesus actually loved. The ones that were placed on the margins of the society, Jesus actually reached for, accepted them. The, the people who were out and, and beyond the norms of, of culture and acceptable behaviors and practices were cast out by religion, but Jesus forgave and included them. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this. I love the ministry of Jesus. Jesus did not come for those who have it all together. Jesus came for people who need help. Can I get a witness? Lord, help. I need help. He came for people who needed grace. He came for people who needed mercy. This is why he came. This is his ministry. I want you to consider that. Well, we're too good for them. You're not good enough for us. They're not clean enough. They're not righteous enough. They're not holy enough. 
wait a minute. These are the people, exactly the people that Jesus came for. These are exactly the people Jesus ministered to. So Jesus loved those that everyone else despised. He welcomed those that people turned away. Jesus didn't come for those who are perfect. So if you're in the room today, and some of you are in here, and you're perfect, you can sit, you're watching online, you're perfect, everything's together in your life, then you can spend the rest of the service just polishing your halo and feeling good about yourself (laughs) while the rest of us realize Jesus came for a bunch of stinkers like us. We need help. We need Jesus. Now, not only did Jesus' ministry reach to people on the margins, but the miracles he performed. This is just fascinating. He opened blind eyes. I mean, folks who were blind, now they could see. People who were deaf now have their ears unstopped, whatever miracle required for that, and they can hear. People who were mute suddenly could talk. People people who were lame, crippled, paralyzed, getting up and moving around. Miracles, genuine miracles. Jesus actually took some some food one day, a few loaves of bread and some fish, and he multiplied the food, fed thousands of people. That's a big miracle. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. This was at a wedding in Cana, the first miracle of Jesus. Now, ever since this has placed teetotaling Methodist and most Baptist on the horns of dilemma because Jesus turned water into wine. <laughs> it's messed them up. The, the pushback is, well, it wasn't fermented wine. Okay, dude, whatever you need to, whatever you need to do about that, sort it out. You'll be okay. Just relax. Be all right. <laughs> Jesus even raised the dead. Now, here's what's fascinating. You may even think it's curious. I think it's almost funny about the miracles of Jesus that his detractors, people who were his enemies, people who didn't like him, did not debate the validity of his miracles. No one said, that that blind guy wasn't blind. Now you're just telling telling us that you healed a guy who was blind, he can see. They knew the blind guy. They knew the widow's son. Heck, one of these Pharisees had preached the son's funeral. Next time the Pharisee sees him, He's alive because Jesus has interrupted the funeral procession and resurrected this kid. Unbelievable. Amazing. So all we get from the critics aren't, those miracles aren't real. You never hear that because they were real. All you hear from the critics are, you stop that. We don't want you to do this anymore. And the reason for that is because you're getting too much attention and threatening our power. So you have the, the ministry of Jesus, um, and it's, it's, it's so powerful. It's so profound. And if we, if we took the time today, people watching online, people in this room, and not only us, but thousands upon thousands, yea, millions upon millions of people who have lived on the earth the last 2,000 years, if, if we, we gave them a moment to tell their story, you would hear things like, I was a mess, and I've been transformed after I met Jesus. I was addicted, and now I am free. I was full of hatred, and now my heart is full of love and grace. I was bound up in all of my relationships in shambles until Jesus came into my life and transformed my life. Amen. There are lots of, lots of stories. 
of the ministry of Jesus alive and well in the world today. Praise God. So we consider his ministry. Here's the second thing. Furthermore, consider the resurrection of Jesus. Now think about it. If you look at Acts chapter 3, verse 15, this is Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. Thousands of people gathered in Jerusalem. This is about 50 days after the resurrection, Passover. And it's Pentecost weekend. And Peter has just, with 120 people in an upper room, just been touched by the Holy Spirit. They spill out onto the street. And Peter then says to this crowd of thousands, you killed the author of life. You killed him. You wanted him dead. Now he was dead. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And then on top of that, he said, we are witnesses of this. Now, this is a, this is a powerful moment because now people realize, yeah, I was in that crowd that said crucify him 50 days ago, and now I'm in this crowd, and Peter's telling us that, that he was the Lord of glory. He was the Christ. He was the Son of God, and I wanted him dead. And you killed him, Peter said, but God has raised him from the dead. And if you wonder if that's true, if you think I'm just pulling your leg, if you think I'm just, just blowing smoke, he said, we, and he's pointing to the, all of these apostles who saw Jesus alive after the resurrection. We saw him. These two eyes saw him crucified and dead and three days later alive again, resurrected from the dead. We saw him. We are witnesses to these things. And the thousands of people in the crowd that day tore their clothes. And they said, what? What must we do to be saved? Because the fear of God came on them. He said, repent and receive salvation through Christ. 3,000 were converted that day. Big day, very powerful. Let me just remind you of something today, friends. Conspiracy theories never hold up. They never hold up. Lots of people like to chase conspiracy theories. You know, it's kind of fascinating, kind of fun to imagine. But they never hold up. And this is a case in point. There there were 10 of the disciples that were left. You'll remember of the 12 original disciples, Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus and killed himself. With the 11 remaining, 10 of these men all went to a martyr's death. They died, they died young, and they died at the hands of people who threatened them with death if they did not betray Jesus. And 10 of these guys all died at the hands of those who persecuted them. Standing on the firm conviction that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. Now, the most fascinating story of our lifetimes comes from Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was one of, the, one of the inner White House operatives in the Richard Nixon administration. Some of you are old enough to remember the Watergate scandal. And so here's, here is is Richard Nixon and these three other men. And they all conspired because they had broken the law, breaking into the Watergate, and, and all of them were going to be ruined, including the president, if they didn't cover this up. So these four men conspired together to tell the same lie. They lasted three days until the whole thing collapsed. All three of these men went to prison Richard Nixon resigned the presidency of the United States. Big deal, big thing. But when Chuck Colson read the story of these 10 disciples, all of whom died for the sake of Christ, 
holding to the witness that Jesus had been raised from the dead, this was the thing that convinced Chuck Colson that it was true because he knew from personal experience that you can't maintain a lie in a conspiratorial way very long. And he came to faith, and the rest is history. Great, great work of God, especially in prison ministries through Chuck Colson before his death. My favorite disciple was Thomas. Thomas, he doubted. You remember? He said, unless I see the wounds in Jesus' hands and feet and side, I will not believe. And Jesus revealed himself after the resurrection, showed him his wounds, and Thomas believed. Now, you may want to know what happened to Thomas, the doubter. Thomas, the doubter, took the gospel to India. He became the first evangelist to India. And when they said, Thomas, deny your faith and we'll let you live, but if you stand by Jesus, we're going to kill you. And Thomas said, I will never deny the faith of the one who died and rose again for me. I will stand by him for the rest of my life. And at that, they drove a stake through his body and killed him. One of the original disciples martyred for Jesus' sake. The question that begs to be asked, the question that if you're considering Jesus seriously today, you must ask. It has to be asked, and it's a very simple question, and it's this. Why? Why did these men who claim to have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, why did they go to their deaths believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Why would anyone die for something that's not true? Why would they die for a lie? If it weren't true and they were just trying to keep the story going, why would they give up their lives for something like that? And the answer is obvious. They wouldn't. There's only one explanation for why not only these men, but countless thousands of people for 2,000 years have given their lives sacrificially in a martyr's death for the cause of Jesus Christ. There's only one reason for that. And it's because Jesus is raised from the dead and he is alive and he's not only worth living for, he's worth dying for. Some say, well, the soldiers stole his body, really? Once rumors of the resurrection began to surface, don't you think Rome would have done anything in, in their power to produce that body? Hey, look, all of you naive people, you simpletons, you people who believe that a man can be dead and come back to life, you know, uneducated and worthless people, here's the body. So be quiet about this resurrection business. Here's the body, everybody. Don't you think if the body could have been produced, Rome would have produced it? Others say, well, the disciples went and stole the body. Okay, they're going to overpower the Roman guards assigned to protect this tomb because Rome knew that, that the, you've got to keep track of that body. We wanted him dead. Now he's dead. We need him to stay dead. And these disciples who were scared to death, you know, hiding under their beds in the fetal position, hoping they didn't come for them next, The best book I've ever read on the evidence for the resurrection is a little book I read years ago, and the simple title is, Who Moved the Stone? <laughs> it's a great question. Stone was rolled in front of this tomb, the seal of Rome placed on it, guards posted there. Who moved the stone? I'll tell you who moved the stone. An angel moved a two-ton stone with the slightest touch of his finger. 
That's who moved the stone. We know what the soldiers did. They fell like dead men. They ran for their lives. Oh, stink. Something's going on in the garden tomb. I'm out of here. We consider the resurrection of Jesus and how history has treated that. Last point is simply this. Consider the eternal message of Jesus. His ministry, his resurrection, we consider. And now this message. Look at the screen at Romans 3.22. It said, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Back to the original question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? How can I be right with God? Here's the answer. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. So here's the gospel. Here's the message. It is Christ plus nothing equals being right with God. Christ alone, by faith alone, plus nothing equals salvation. So notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say we're made right with God by being good enough or not being bad. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for you. Paul says to the Romans in this passage, no matter who you are, place your faith in Christ no matter who you are. That means no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been, doesn't matter how messed up your life is right now, it doesn't matter how many people you've hurt, it doesn't matter how many times you've sinned, you're not made right with God by being good enough. You are made right with God because Jesus became a perfect sacrifice, took the penalty for your sin and paid the price so that we might be redeemed back into a right relationship with God. The the simple truth of the gospel is not about religion. It's about a relationship restored with God through the work, the perfect work of his son, Jesus Christ. And the way you come into right relationship with God is by placing your faith in Jesus. That's it. Nothing else required. That's it. That's all. That's, That's the gospel. See, religion is all about me. Religion is all about how I do, how I perform how I keep the rules. That's what, that's what religion is about. I, I, if I obey, then God will love me. If I'm a good boy or a good girl, then God will approve of me. That's religion. That's not the gospel. That's not a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. See, religion is all about what I do. Relationship, on the other hand, is all about Jesus. It's not about me at all. It's all about him. It's not about you. It's all about him. It's about Jesus. And I serve Jesus and I follow Jesus and I obey Jesus because of what he's done for me. Not because I have to or I ought to, it's because I want to as an expression of my appreciation to him for what he's done for me. It's about relationship. You get it. So in religion, it's about what I do in relationship with God through Jesus. It's about what he has already done. This is really good preaching. I hope you're hearing it. So that's the difference. So here's where I stand. You won't be surprised to know where I stand on all this. By the way, I have been a, this year I will have been a Christian for 50 years. 50 years. Give Jesus, is, give Jesus a hand. <laughs> Yay, Jesus. Wow. Because here's, here's, here's where I stand. I am, 
I'm a very rational kind of person. I operate out of my head most of the time. Most of you don't. 70% of you operate out of your emotions and your feelings. So there's only about 30% of us oddballs, kind of more like me. And I'm even more odd than that. I won't go into. <laughs> Might scare you. <laughs> By the way, all the great atheists in history, you name them, Voltaire, so forth, all the great atheists in history have my personality type. All of them. So I'm, I'm very rational, very linear. Uh, you've got to convince me. So I'm very pragmatic. You, if, if you're trying to convince me of any kind of truth, any kind of point, you better make your case because I'm going to think about it. When I was 16 years old, I was confronted with the gospel for the first time in my life. And I remember how I worked it out. So you're telling me a guy comes along, his name is Jesus, he claims to be God. He's a fellow and he claims to be God. Okay. He's born of a virgin. Really? Okay. What else does he claim? Well, he claims, he claims that he's come to the earth on a mission to resolve the problem of sin, which is the thing that separates people, you, me, from God. And the way he's going to do that is he's going to live a spotless life, then he's going to sacrifice his life, in a horrendous death, shedding his blood, dying a torturous death, and then to validate all of the aforementioned, on the third day after he's dead, he's going to get back up again, alive, resurrected from the dead, which will validate all of the things that he has said afore. Okay, all right, that's, so that's what you want me to believe, right. Well, here's a guy comes along. He's doing his ministry. He's reaching for people that nobody cares about. He's loving people unconditionally. He's including people, not excluding them, unless they're mean and legalistic and religious. He performs miracles with people who are really hurting, blind people and lame people, and incapacitated people. You know, you throw in that party at Cana where you made wine. That, that didn't bother me. I'm up for a party. And then the claims or that on the third day he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Hundreds of witnesses, eyewitnesses, all of whom went to their death. Again, the question, what informed the faith of the saints in history? The faith of the saints and the faith of the martyrs. What gripped those men and women? And what about the evidence for the resurrection? And I sorted that. I sorted that out. And on an autumn evening in September when I was 16 years old, I thought to myself, if this is really true, if he is who he said he is, 
did what they said he did and indeed rose from the dead the third day. I'm going to follow that guy. I'm going to follow that guy. Because in my world, best idea wins. It's a fantastic idea. And show me something. Okay, I was dead, now I'm alive. Okay, that's, that'll do. That's good. That's good enough. I pick you. I'm following you. I'm going for you. And not only am I amazed and impressed and convinced, but you claim that the motive for doing all of that was because you love me and you have a great design and plan and purpose for my life. I'm not here by accident. I'm not here by coincidence. I'm here on purpose. By the divine orchestration and plan design of God. And if that's true, yes, yes, I'm all in. I'm all in. And now it's 50 years from that decision. I've never, I've never been disappointed, not for one second, not for a moment. If I had all of it to do over again, I would, the only thing I would change is I would have made the decision sooner than 16. I wouldn't have waited that long. I would have said yes to Jesus at the first moment that I had cog cognitive awareness of the opportunity to know Jesus. I considered Jesus, and I said yes. Some of you have come into this Easter celebration today, and as it turns out, you've gotten what you needed. You've heard what you need to hear. You're considering Jesus. Could I encourage you just one more step by praying? Would you bow your heads with me? Just think about these things. You're looking at it and you're saying, Lord, because of who you are, because of what you did, it seems that my only response is to say yes. Take my life. I give it completely to you. So, Father, this morning we pray that you would do miracle after miracle today because of the perfect work of Jesus. I know some of you are followers of Jesus and you have loved ones that aren't following Jesus and you want to pray for them today. If you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, there are people that I know and love, family members, co-workers, close friends that don't know the freedom and grace that Jesus offers, I want to pray for them today. If that's true for you, would you just lift your hands right now? Just lift them up. I have folks that I want to pray for. I agree with you. God will speak to your friends. And God helped them to recognize that Jesus came for those who are hurting. He came for the lost and the broken. He came for people like all of us. Not to make us religious, but to offer us his life, his goodness, his eternal hope. Friends, as you keep praying today, I know there are others of you. You've actually spent a good bit of time in church. This isn't your first Easter Sunday. But for you, Jesus has been in your head and he's never been in your heart. It's been more of a religious thing, not a relational thing. Guess what? If that's you today, you're gonna let Jesus move 18 inches from your head down in your heart. And let me tell you something, you will never be the same again. Others of you, you can't even believe you're in church today 
can't believe you said yes to your friend when they invited you or you're watching online you're like man I can't I can't believe the roof hasn't fallen down yet and you're thinking to yourself even right now it's almost done he's at the closing prayer I think I'm gonna make it pretty soon he's gonna let us go we'll be out of here this will be over here's the problem something is happening to you you're mysteriously strangely being drawn toward God right now there's someone in this room you're thinking how does he know that how how does he how does he know that these thoughts are in my head and I've got this feeling I'm, I'm a queasy over it what is that I can tell you what it is that's the loving kindness of God that's his Holy Spirit doing what he does see God is reaching out to you and he wants you to say yes to his love listen to me you are about to become a miracle right now you're gonna look back years from now on this day and say yeah that Easter weekend I walked in one person I walked out somebody completely different not a better version of me but a new version a new person in Christ the old is gone some of you right now you've got the weight of your sin upon you and you feel the guilt of it but here's the good news when you confess your sin to God he forgives your sins he cleanses you from unrighteousness you you become completely brand new not because you're good enough but because of the perfect work of Jesus so whether you're on campus or online I wonder who would say yes I need his grace I need his forgiveness and today by faith I surrender my life to him that's your prayer I want to give my life to Jesus that's true just raise your hand where you are right now you may be at home on your sofa just raise your hand where you are good 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 all over the room so great good for you now I want you to pray this prayer out loud everyone pray this prayer out loud after me okay are you ready out loud out right after me Heavenly Father forgive me of all my sins I give my life to you fill me with your spirit so I can follow you and serve you for the rest of my life my life is not my own today I give it to you thank you for new life now you have mine in Jesus name I pray amen amen now let's give a big hand clap to everybody who may pray this prayer praise God thank you Lord wonderful praise God all right would you stand with us
Now let us help you. If you've taken a step in your faith today, a step toward Jesus, just use your phone, text the number 123-GO, 123-GO to the number 94,000. And there's a menu of items there. You just click one. We'll be in touch with you. We want to help you, help you take next steps and get yourself stabilized. We, we want to be helpful to you. One, two, three, go to 94,000. Thanks for doing that. Are you ready for the blessing? Here's the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Peace today, peace tomorrow, peace forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, everyone.